0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Cyber Starters presented by ACI Learning. If you're looking for a highly engaging and relevant discussion focused on cybersecurity entrepreneurship, covering topics from how to start a business to challenges that entrepreneurs encounter, to strategies for effective problem solving, then you are in the right place. Over the next hour we're going to be dropping knowledge bombs on gotchas. Things that you just obviously wouldn't know your first time through, but if you've gone through it a couple of times, you know, your second iteration, third iteration, you would absolutely be like, "I'm going to avoid that." But that first time through, scrape knees and skinned elbows. But today we're going to reveal all those to you. So if you have cybersecurity entrepreneurship aspirations, whether it's either launching your own consulting firm, side hustle and stuff, or maybe even developing product. You're going to want to listen to what we got to say. I'm very excited today. We've got a special episode, a little bit different format than usual. I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Ryan Larovic, CEO of NuVic and Cyber Entrepreneur. He'll be joined by his guest,
1: Jerry Auger of Simply Cyber,
0: Yeah, right there. (laughs) Exactly. So, we had a slight cancellation last minute with our guest. Uh, We look forward to having her back on in season two. But Ryan and I did not want to cancel the show because we both have like an absolute ton of experience with those gotchas. And I know, Ryan, you've been in business a little bit longer than uh, I have. And I'm experiencing gotchas all over the place. In fact, even today, I can't wait to share a story with the Simply Cyber community of a challenge, a gotcha that I am dealing with right now. Actually, two gotchas I'm currently dealing with that are absolutely like, you'd be like, never think about that in a million years. Because I feel like, Ryan... One of the main challenges people have is like, oh, I can do this. Like I can do this technical thing. I can do an enterprise risk assessment. I can write software, whatever it is. Why am I letting someone else pay me to do it and taking, uh, you know, a portion of my my? Efforts when I could just do it by myself. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of maintenance, there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be established. I'm not even talking about getting sales. I'm just talking about like managing and handling your business that a lot of people don't see. So let's get into the gotcha episode. If you have any questions, holler at us in chat. I see my friends Matt McDaniel, Alpha Sierra, Brian Peak, and uh, James Driscoll. There's the name of few. Good to see everybody in here. Uh, Ryan, uh, what are your what's some gotchas? that we got going. And then I want to share a little secret with everybody after the mid-roll of a key takeaway everybody will be able to grab after the show ends. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, welcome, everybody. Glad to be here today. And uh, thanks for hanging out with both of us. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. So like one of the big things, and we hear this a lot, is literally the the fact that as a practitioner, like 50% of your time actually goes to running the business. It's all the things you just mentioned, Jerry. It's like, you know all all of the pieces that the taxes, the banking, the finance, the structure, the registration, the HR, and we forget about all these things. So like I think like the number one gotcha if you don't think it through, right, is the oh wait a minute where is my time actually going to wind up going, right? We've we've mentioned it a couple of times, but I think that's the first one. So thinking through like what do you actually need for the business, right? And then you know who's going to do it? Is it going to be you, or are you going to get somebody else to do it? Like you know you can hire somebody, you can do outsourcing, but. I don't know, to me, to me that's the biggest one before we get into all the other, you know, corporate structure ones, right?
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I feel like, you know, day one, you know, zero one, if you're gonna start the business, uh, one one gotcha. Uh, fortunately, this didn't get me, but I could see where it, it would be slippery for someone to easily fall to it, is going out and, and, and basically starting uh, a new bank account for checking uh, for your business. And really separating those two things, um, like your personal and your financial, you got to get a business, I mean, your personal and your business, you got to get a business credit card, you got to get a business checking account. A lot of people are like, oh, like, hey, don't worry, I'll, co- I'll, I'll cover this lunch, and they're paid with their personal credit card, and then just like, you know, ex- dis- d- do a distribution to themselves. And the bookkeeping gets really janky. And it, that's quite frankly, how you can not intentionally commit fraud, but be committing fraud uh, accidentally.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> precisely. Like so, one of the tricks there has always been the you know exactly that set up your own account, but also set up your own chart of accounts and bookkeeping, mm-hmm. right? Because you're right, like you jump in with these great intentions, but then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, hang on, what was that for? And now you're in trouble with either your true expenses for your company, right? Which which impacts your profitability, of course, right? Because mm-hmm. you got P and L. This is the loss side. <laughs> you know, can push you down the loss side, or or overinflate your profit right um but without an actual accounting system to account for that and then a, you know a banking system to support it it makes it cleaner and that's a big gotcha because like you say you can get so far down the road that all of a sudden you forget where you know where you expensed what or what true expenses exist or overexpense personally and not account for it in the business the next thing you know you know there there's implications across the board
0: yeah 100 100%, 100%. Uh, another thing that you know i guess uh, take it or leave it um, is around uh, your 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 business name right like now I don't think you need to put so much stock into this but I do think people you know should put some some level of effort into what they're doing for, for me uh, Ryan. Um, And a lot of you Simply Cyber community members uh, may not know this, but like my official business, my legal business entity is not Simply Cyber. Simply Cyber was a YouTube channel I started that evolved into all these opportunities and business. And um, I, you know, so I officially, so this is a fun thing that I learned. I officially emailed myself as the CEO of my company to myself and said in writing that effective immediately Simply Cyber is the marketing department of my business um, and make that official. So, like e- something as stupid as that, um, you know, you do that so you can clearly say that, like, oh, I'm not doing business as a separate business and running two businesses under one umbrella for you know tax purposes and fraud, you know, evasion and stuff like that. So, um, so, but I, when I created my business name, and uh, you you could tell us how you came up with Nuvik, but when I started my business name, I thought, okay, like I live near the coast, I like InfoSec. Um, and I, I want it to be kind of, uh, generic. So like, you're not, I, I feel like if you name your business, like, um, I don't know, like, you know, the greater, greater Atlanta, you know, uh, financial markets, expert, Fund or you know what I mean? Like I feel like if you if you paint paint it so specific, then you kind of eliminate yourself from being able to like grow into other markets or be able to market effectively because people are like, oh, I don't want to do business with you because like we're in California and you're like, you know, Greater Toledo, whatever. It's like you don't sound like you you matter. I don't know. What do you think about naming a business?
1: Naming a business matters, but I want to know if you responded to yourself in that email <clears throat> when you sent yourself the email saying this is it. Did you respond? I don't know. We need to negotiate this.
0: Yeah, we need to talk <laughs> about this. No, I right. think I just I think
1: I just replied approved. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Chat. Yeah. No, this is this is branding, right? What you're talking about right now is just the brand, and there's there's two major things that always matter there. One is it unique. Like, is it unique to you? Because this gets into your business structure. Like, are you going to expand? Right statewide, U.S. wide, globally, right? Into different parts of the world, potentially, right? And can you own that name and and operate in those others? Or are you looking to sort of, what's your exit? Like, are you looking to just build sort of a a piece that fits into another? Well, that's this is what your brand stands for, right? At at a certain point. And if you pick a name that already exists, like one, you're gonna have a tough time. uh, You know, you might have some conflict down the road. If you pick one, that is unique, well, then it's up to you to define what that looks like in in the market. And that's you know, so I think when it comes to the name, right, it's really important to sit through and and, and get in the mindset right away of like, where where could this go? And what Mm -hmm. do we want to name it? And then which which people are getting really good at I'm seeing some really cool names out there, right? Um, They've evolved over the years. But the neat thing is like they all uniquely stack on each other. And then of course, like that particular name can be used somewhere else. And then you can, you know, then you get into brand protection and things like that, uh, once you're going forward.
0: Yeah. And, but one thing I would love to share with um, everybody who's in chat, listening, and um, and, and Lawi Committee over on LinkedIn, I wanna, we'll answer your question in just a minute here. But one thing I want people to, to, to know is that you shouldn't let perfection get in the way of progress. I see a lot of people who are like, Oh, like I want to get the branding just like you haven't even opened your doors. Like, oh, I want to get the branding just right. Ooh, I got to come up with a cool tagline. Ooh, I got to get a cool logo. And you know, by the time you get everything perfect, you know, opportunities passed you by, or the market has shifted, or you've you're you you like you're out of money and you can't you can't um, justify now working on building a business. So uh, you know, and to, to give my own personal uh, stories here. Like, obviously, my business is named something else, not Simply Cyber. Um, Then I started going with Simply Cyber. That's kind of like what is more known. I wanted to get, I had a kind of logo that I made myself on Canva. Then I paid someone on Fiverr to build this Simply Cyber logo, which you can also see in the corner over there. And this has been the brand and the naming and the logo. And I've loved it for a while. But now I'm actually going through a branding exercise with an actual professional who, um, you know, is, is taking my, my inputs and my inspiration and what I want to do and coming up with a more cohesive, uh, brand because simply cyber is cool. But like, I have simply cyber media Group, simply cyber academy, simply cyber con the conference. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things and this individual's going to be able to cohesively brand everything together. So when you see something on social media or at a conference, you'll know immediately that it's tied to simply cyber because of that cohesion and similar fonts and watermarks and stuff like that. So um, it's been an evolution for me, but I, I just want to p- let people know, like you don't have to get it right to still be successful because you can pivot as you go forward. B- big brands do it all the time. Um, like let's not forget Coke invented new Coke and that blew up in their face. Uh, <laughs> right. And they were able to recover from that.
1: Yeah. Or even the Chevy Nova when they launched in, uh, in uh was it Mexico, right? And in, in, in those who speak Spanish, like Nova means no go. Yeah, <laughs> you watch a car, says no go. Like you can get the brand really wrong before you even start. Um, but there's this great scene in what was it, the social network when Jesse Eisenberg and JT are sitting down with each other, like he just got introduced to, you know, Justin Timberlake, and and, and um as you know, playing the role he's playing. And he says, Look, he goes, he you know, he added that one piece of like drop the and just make it Facebook Mm -hmm. because like you don't know what it is yet and and uh, granted we know the story there right and that's not the point but the point is like you don't have to get it right right away you just have to make a clean easy simple name that will become something that you can stand behind and that's where your brand is it's absolutely an evolution and you don't know what it's going to be yet because you don't know what twists and turns you're going to see but the key is to sort of think through that right off the bat right and don't pick a sweet easy one that you know might offend people you can kind of think it through and be like all right what what where where might this land and you kind of create a pathway there because if you get it wrong you know it's it, you know it can it can stop the business a lot you know a lot faster than a good brand can uh elevate what you're trying to accomplish
0: yeah and and just the final thing i'll say on this is like people aren't gonna decide they might remember you because of your branding but they're like that if you are delivering, if you could have the coolest branding in the world. And if you deliver a suck product, whether it's suck service or suck product, no one's going to care. Like they're going to be like, Oh, that that's a cool. I remember how cool they looked, but their product sucked. Right. So, I mean, I, I personally have been told like, Oh, it doesn't really matter what you make the logo look like, Jerry, like people show up because of, you know, because of you, because of the community, because of the content, because of the impact. So I feel like just a key takeaway for everyone is you should really focus on delivery and and you know the branding is important do the exercises and come to your findings but uh, don't, don't let it overwhelm you. Cause I feel like a lot of people get so excited. Like, mm-hmm. okay, he, okay. Ready? H- here's a, here's a truth. Okay. I feel like everybody I know, including myself who starts a business gets business cards within like the first week. They're like, Oh, I gotta get those business cards. Like, look, I'm official now. Mm-hmm. And like, then you just sit on them. Cause you don't, you don't have anywhere to go with these business cards. Did you get business cards when you first got going?
1: And actually we waited for exactly that reason. Cause it's like, wait, do we have the right logo? Do we have the you know the right numbers? Is our email address and our pieces you know put together? Because that all matters. Once you put it out there, like you know, again, this is part of the sort of getting the mindset of creating the business. You've got your brand, you got how you're gonna communicate to you know to to everybody, and then you got your you know your, your business card. I mean, good news is not a lot of people have business cards as much anymore, but we got one later once we thought through, all right, this is the phone number that we're gonna register, right? And this should be around for two years. So if somebody winds up, um you know calling us they're not going to drop like this is our top level domain that's obvious like we can route those these days you know uh or at least the url side of it um pretty easily but the big question then becomes like all right great like uh, you know when you hand out your card you know and and somebody picks it up in three months or finds it in a drawer somewhere can they still contact you
0: (laughs) yeah that's true you got to keep that got to keep that uh uh going as well um
1: There's a lot of forward thinking that like, I I can't encourage this enough. Like it's hard, you'll never think of everything, right? You just won't. But if you think through enough things, right? you, you, You solve those problems early on, right? And you're not so quick to just hurry up and start a business it has this effect of just reducing stresses later on. Like mm-hmm. I just had a conversation with a, a bunch of lawyers. Yeah. Believe it or not. Cause business structure matters.
0: That sounds fun. I, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we're pushing into uh, another part of the uh, world. And so, you know, there's a lot of legal structures that we're, we're trying to hurdle. And it was really interesting because after we got through everything, we sat down and we had a couple beers and we're like, all right, great. What did we not think about? Mm -hmm. Right. And because we're already in the mindset, we're already thinking about it, you know, and, you know, not to encourage alcohol, but so take it or leave it. But this was helpful to think like, what did we miss? And we came up with three or four things. It was like, ah, okay, yeah, we need to consider that as part of our legal structure and a part of our entity and a part of our, you know, legal liability uh, reduction, because like six months from now, if that shows up and we didn't think about it now, oh man, we'd be in a lot of trouble. So. Yeah. The more you can sort of think through things in the beginning and have some fun with it, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then uh, I, I think, you know, it pays dividends later on.
0: Absolutely. I want to let everyone know, I'm going to share this right now. Uh, right now, uh, Ryan and I actually sat down and worked through what all the things that we could think of um, at the moment. And we documented it in a swipe sheet. I'm going to make this available to everybody right now. So I'll drop, I'll drop a link to it in chat periodically. But um, go ahead and grab that swipe sheet if you like to. It's, it's a free download. It's not a lead magnet or anything like that. It literally will just take you directly to the document. Uh, you do what you want. There's no, there's no auditing. There's no uh, pixels, Facebook pixels in there. Just go ahead, grab it if you're interested in starting a cyber business or learning about some of the things that you should be thinking about. So let's talk about um, operating structure, uh, Ryan. Why 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 should we care about operating structure and uh, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. To me, this first starts with just the way you structure the business, you know, itself, just the business structure first, right? So you have, you know, again, this starts with what do you want to do at the end, right? Are you do you need founder shares that you want to protect for tax reasons, right? That might push you into, you know, whatever structure and then you know, an S Corp. Right? Do you um, want the corporate overhead so you're actually going to build and land and expand uh, in, you know, in your country and then in others? Well, then an incorporation would matter. And how you begin the overarching structure then influences the actual operating structure of the company. They don't have to be. They can be mutually exclusive. But in order to support what you're trying to achieve and the way you formally structure the business for tax reasons and country reasons, right? then helps put the, the structure in place and i think one of the one of the key gotchas to avoid is it goes back to the time element right it's like who is going to be doing what in your organization and what responsibilities do people have right cuz we all know the pitfall of jumping in and you know and and trying to solve a lot of problems at the same time without any prioritization we all go th- go through that but the bigger challenge is if you're clear up front with what individual or or role has what responsibilities and what's the overall expectation and structure it that way. Now you can look at it and say, oh, we actually need like a marketing officer to do these particular things because the people are going to ask for sales are going to need that to go and they don't we don't expect sales to do it. Right. So in our sales department, right, our sales individuals, we want to incentivize them to continue to fill the pipeline or sell the product or sell the service. So we don't want them busy, you know, creating marketing materials, but they can feed it to the marketing team. And if you think through those pieces, you start to get things fleshed out in terms of, you know, sort of the tip of the spear from the communication side, which is marketing and sales. And the same goes for the back end structure, right? Like who's going to do your taxes? Who's going to do your legal side? You know, do you have an in-house lawyer? Probably not in the beginning. right? Very few people I won't go there. But very few people <laughs> do. And very few people maybe may or may not. You want to consider that, right? But you know, who do you outsource to? Can you trust them, and can they scale the way you want? And now the rest is the, the rest of the sandwich in between those two, right? It's the it's you know who's who's you know how are you making decisions in the company, right? Do you have a chief, you know, sort of a CEO, and he or she's sitting in that spot to actually make the final decisions, or are you more collaborative? you like you're a partnership model where people are taking different sides. Like these are the things that matter, and then of course your operations and piece fall into it. So. There's a lot of good resources out there for these things, but it's worth thinking through because the business sort of operating structure, and Jerry, I'm interested in your thoughts here in a second, like Mm -hmm. the business operating structure becomes the scaffolding in which your company's gonna grow, right? And if you think about it like scaffolding, that means you can hire really good people to come in and take parts of the, the pieces that the scaffolding is already there, right? And grow that and the structure is already there versus trying to bolt on things later. I don't know, Jerry, have you had that experience at all?
0: Uh, so I do not, but what's interesting, and this is a real special, uh, just happens to be serendipity. Ryan is uh, the founder and CEO of a sty- cyber startup that has fa- um, faculty, that has staff and employees and you know, a bigger, different type of business. I... Only have me for, for all intents and purposes. Um, my my family is involved with the business, but that you know. So so when we talk about organizational structure, it's it's much more important for Ryan because you have other cooks in the kitchen, if you will, other players, other factors, other voices. Um, again, I'm I'm self funded and I am you know kind of you know operating over here now. So I so I so operating our business structure doesn't matter as much. However, what I would say is, for tax reasons and for legal reasons and for liability reasons, uh, for me being a um, LLC like a S corp LLC is the right way to do it for for all those different reasons. So I I feel like it's really important to differentiate. There isn't like one path for hey cyber startup go do this. It really depends on what kind of business. Your business looks like. So, yeah. but I agree with uh, uh, in the fact of having scaffolding. So that's why I sent myself an email <laughs> from the marketing to the CEO, even though it's all me. It's it, by the way, it seems ridiculous. Uh, another thing that I'll just share with everybody that's kind of silly. So, one of the things, if you're going to be a legitimate business and you're going to have to demonstrate evidence that you're a legitimate business and not some jack wagon who's just moving money in a shell game to hide from um, the tax man. Uh, one of the things you have to do is hold annual meetings. You have to hold annual business meetings. I have a special uh, notebook just for annual meetings. And every year, I like I did it two weeks ago or three weeks ago in that chair right there, I sat down and I feel ridiculous doing it, but I'm like, all right, I'm calling this meeting to order. Like, Are we all here? And I'm like, I'm here. And I like documented attendance. I was the secretary. I was also the chair. Um, and then I went through, and then I literally did do an exercise of, did I accomplish 2023 goals? What are my goals for 2024? Uh, what, what worked, what didn't work? I literally hold a, you know, executive meeting with myself. Uh, so even though it's a single person entity, I, I do feel like you have to execute it with a executive structure, uh, for lack of a better term, in order to realize the things that way you can plug and play later on if you do need to add, um. Additional resources. Also, having said that, I do outsource a lot of stuff. So, like, I don't do my finances, I don't do my taxes, I don't do um, my legal stuff. Like, I have a lawyer, right? So, like, I do have like chief counsel and chief financial officer and chief accounting officer, but it's just different, right?
1: Yeah, you need a gavel for your meetings. So. Yes, I do. <laughs> you can hand yes, them yes, around. Exactly. I need like
0: the, the rubber one that like <laughs> children have like the ee ee, ee.
1: <laughs> with the sound effects. That's the best. Yeah, cuz yeah, that's it, what makes it official.
0: <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And just really quick, Brian, I want you to continue after this, but just to make everybody aware, uh, a resource that we've got here is this swipe sheet that documents all the getting started stuff. I've got a link in chat right now. And it's free to download. There's no tracking. There's no give us your email. No nothing. This is literally this show and Ryan and I's vision for this is literally just to help others not make the same mistakes that we made or move faster into getting their business off the ground. Yeah, uh, Ryan, please.
1: No, there's a lot of issues there. But what I love about what you mentioned and I want to sort of pull this out a little bit, which the viewers are used to, is the artifacts right Mm -hmm. because what's interesting you don't know where you're going so when you're going to structure it like just having those artifacts um in place are so helpful later on when you move into other states sometimes in the in the us or you move into other countries or whatever the case is just having those artifacts are helpful even if it is like hey here the meeting minutes you know by myself (laughs) from you know eight months ago, if yep. somebody asked for it, you can create it. And it's a little bit more authentic, which is interesting because what's flashing back in my head is like, yeah, documenting code, or if you're on the management side, writing policies and like, no one does that. Right. <laughs> but the re- <laughs> Right. It's just one of the harder things, but it is so helpful to do, especially when you're in the mindset of it, it's just document, or at least creating a, a structure for it or, or, or something that you can rely back to, to know what the thinking was and where it was, because what happens later, uh, especially if you go to sell. Right. Or even move into another country. Like, again, you don't know where the future is going to hold. Maybe you do, right? There's a number of people that say, yep, I, I'm going to execute XYZ in like two years. Fine. Whatever that looks like. But the key is you can tell the story over time and you have documented artifacts over time. They don't have to be super, I mean, ideally they're tight, but they get judged at the end. You can tighten them up later. But the issue is at least have them in place so that, you know, that you know somebody could ideally like if somebody's coming to purchase you they can see yep okay they've documented things we know where things are and it gives them a level of confidence that you know you're paying attention to things as you go and it just makes it a lot easier so you're not scrambling to put things at the end so you know documentation actually does does help
0: yeah i mean i've heard it i mean again if your goal is to sell which a lot of businesses that is the goal Mm -hmm. um, i mean i've seen business deals fall through because you know, you you lift the hood and it's just a hot mess, and the and the the acquirer is like, mm-hmm. oh Jesus! Like if this is what I'm seeing just on the, like on the first day, like this is probably held together with bubble tape or bubble tape, bubble gum and in uh, tape
1: and chewing tape,
0: chewing. Ta- <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it's yeah. all held together with a bunch of uh, you know puff. So yeah. uh, you know, anyways, walk away from it. So for yeah. sure.
1: But to that point, this is so important because, like, look. All right, let's let's talk about. It. Here's a pitfall to avoid, right? When when you're getting started, this is a, that is a that is probably the biggest gotcha because it costs you money. Pitfall to avoid is not having these things, or to pull in what Jerry was saying earlier, like not having a separated bookkeeping, right? With a proper, uh, you know, um, with a proper credit, right, and debit, right, and cash flow right? So you can actually demonstrate the profit and loss of the company because here's the dirty little secret, right? When you go to sell, this is precisely where they look for the holes Well, in a number of different areas, right? But I mean, there's the market addressability and other things, but internally, if you don't have those things, right, you're only devaluing your company from the get-go. So it's one of those things that like, if you can do it upfront and just set the structure upfront and be disciplined about it, and demonstrate, you know, you have good books and you've actually done appropriate p and and, you know, and you've got a t- good CPA or a tax advisor that can help you with these things. Now you have less of a reason, right, for them to, for the, for the company to be devalued from a book, you know, book value standpoint than you would if, um, you know, as Dre says, held it together with uh, bubble tape and, and uh, something else. Chewing, <laughs> chewing tape, yeah. Chewing tape, yeah.
0: So we got a couple of questions in chat. Actually, let, let's keep talking, and all the questions in chat we'll do after the uh, the mid roll um, from from ACI Learning. But I'm I'm flagging all those. Uh, so let, let's talk about this for a second. We talked about documentation. You know, I have a journal that I use for officially for my annual meeting minutes. But I mean, also you've got to send email. You've got to collaborate. You've got to Zoom, if you will. So you do have to make an investment. Fortunately, software as a service has made it uh, it quite easy and quite affordable to scale up quickly with kind of core uh, infrastructure applications. Ryan, what kind of, you know, email is like an obvious one, but what are some other like core infrastructure that people should be thinking about um, that that they may not be thinking about, frankly, because it's not obvious?
1: Yeah, good one. I I think just your IT infrastructure really matters, right? Like, look, If you're going to get started in a cyber business, you got to eat your own dog food, Mm -hmm. you have to have document control, right? You have to have information control. You have to have all of the things that you would expect your customer, you either bring into your customers or you would expect your customers to have. Right. So that means, uh, you know, having a dedicated infrastructure that is just for the business. Right, that has the controls that you would expect. I mean, I'll leave it at that because that's a whole conversation in and of itself. But be disciplined about it, largely because this this gets back to the business structure. Right, you're going to have employment contracts, you're going to have sales contracts, you've got money flow contracts. Like your critical items very quickly become, you know, the the if you hire people, you know, they're PII, and then all of a sudden, if you're giving benefits, you know, then now you're dealing with HIPAA. Right. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're on the sales side of it and you're dealing with credit cards, right, PCI is going to matter, right? And where you structure that and what, you know, we have an international audience, right? Like, so what countries you're actually collecting this data and holding this data and processing this data in matters. And we, you know, for those not familiar with GDPR, like, read it, right? For those not familiar with PCI compliance in the US, you know, get to know it. Uh, mm-hmm. For those in the medical, you know, that may be selling to medical companies or, uh, product organizations or services organizations, right? If you start dealing with patient data, that's a whole different ballgame. So start to understand what's critical and your IT infrastructure around that needs to consider the security around it, right? Even at the earliest levels, even if you're a one person sole propriety LLC, like these are things that are going to matter, right? But hopefully like we're in the cyber business, hopefully these are things that we would otherwise consider table stakes that we see small businesses, not do those things early and later on have to help solve them, right? So we would think that a cyber community would think about those things, but sometimes we take it for granted and we don't. So uh, I would start considering what's critical and have that part of your infrastructure like right away.
0: Absolutely. And after the break, I'll come back and give you what I think a couple core infrastructure pieces are that people aren't thinking about. And then we'll get to the questions in chat. We'll see you guys after the roll here.
2: You chose a career in cybersecurity, and you follow this podcast, because you're passionate about being at the top of your field. But let's face it, not all training is created equal. Don't settle for boring training that leaves you uninspired. You deserve the best to support your dreams. At ACI Learning, our instructors are legends in the field. Our studios are state-of-the-art. We're always on so that you can be, too. We're equipped to pivot and cover every emerging trend in cybersecurity. Because in this fast-paced industry, you need training that keeps up. But it's not just about the expertise. Our on-demand video training is designed to be actually fun to watch. We believe learning should be exciting, not a chore. We offer training in every major vendor and certification. ACI Learning's on it, so you can be too. And don't just take our word for it. See what others are saying on Trustpilot. Real reviews from real professionals who have experienced our offerings firsthand. Choose ACI Learning because support for your cybersecurity career deserves nothing but the best.
0: All right, welcome back to Cyber Starters. This is the gotcha episode. Ryan Larvik and I, cyber entrepreneurs, we're dropping knowledge bombs about things that you may not think about that would be like a gotcha. Uh, The reason that this show came to be is because Ryan and I were talking about a concept that we could do just the two of us for a show. And I said, you know, if I was to start another business, there's so many mistakes I wouldn't make. I would move faster and I would move cleaner because of just the mistakes and the lessons learned. I've been up and down the hill. I know where the rocks are. I know where the roots are. I'm still going to trip over some of them, of course, but it'll be a smoother uh, experience. So that's why this episode Came from right before the commercial. We were talking about back end office tools. One that I'd really like to share with people. You do not need this day one, but I will tell you, um, it's it's. I, I think it is a game changer uh, early on. Is uh, like an accounting software, and specifically, I'm going to call QuickBooks out. I did several different uh, like it. It I guess like bake-offs, if you will, because I knew whatever uh, kind of accounting software I chose, I was gonna end up being baked into it and vendor locked into it and I wanted it to be good. So I I experimented with a few. I ultimately ended up on QuickBooks, not the best option, but the one that I went with. And I gotta tell you, having a tool like QuickBooks or uh, other tools it allows you to do several things right off the rip. That a makes you look more professional, and b more importantly keeps your stuff in order. So when you invoice a client, if you write it on like a napkin or an eight and a half by eleven, you know, notebook composition paper, it just looks bush league. It looks like you're not in business. It looks like you're, you know, just helping them out or something like that, or or you just saying, hey, why don't you just Venmo me five hundred bucks under the table? When you start building your business up, and you're getting like. 10000 20000 $40,000 engagements. You can't Venmo that. You can't, I mean, you can accept PayPal, but now you're starting to get into territories of you really need good bookkeeping. So by using something like a QuickBooks or like one of these softwares, two things happen. One, you have a nice clean record of who you did business with, when you did business, what were the amounts, what was the product, all these things. And more importantly for me, Again, I'm a solopreneur, so I'm wearing all the hats. Sometimes, and this happened early on before I got QuickBooks, like I would do work with someone, like say I do work with Ryan, and it would be like a month, and I'd be like, "Did Ryan pay me?" I mean, it was only fifteen hundred bucks, but like, did he even pay me? And then I can't email Ryan and be like, "Did you pay me?" Because I look like an idiot. So I'm like, spend an hour scrubbing through emails, going into the bank account, looking. Maybe I find it. Maybe I don't. Wicked frustrating. And with um, with something like QuickBooks, one, it's all there. Two, you can just fire off, like send a reminder because it didn't come in. Obviously, there's way more functionality in QuickBooks that I don't take advantage of. Um, but just just for, for me, day one, being able to invoice and being able to send quotes out that look coherent, that allow you to track, it goes a long way, not just for professionalism, but for managing your own order and making it faster, frankly. Because I honestly, I don't have time to mess around with did I send an invoice? Did I get paid all this other stuff? I need to be working on other things. Ryan, what are your thoughts around that? Do you get it day one? Do you get it day two? Do you do it after your first client?
1: Yeah, day one. In fact, before way before day one. Um, this is one of those things that, Jerry, you're spot on. Take some, notice the theme, it all takes some thinking. But what happens here is like it depends on who your clients are going to be too. So in the US, if you're if you're if you're going to contract contract with the United States government, right you have to be compliant with some specific rules. We won't mention them all here, but depending on what country you're in and where you're working, your books are the things that get audited probably the, the, the least but make the most impact later uh, both in the beginning and at the end. So think through this sort of accounting, mechanism you're going to use right i mean you want to be super secure fine go back to an actual log book and log them all in nobody does that these days <laughs> but you do want to be compliant with exactly the pieces that that you know is saying it's like you have to be able to track track the items what's coming and what's going because at the end of the day when you invoice and when you have receivables the delta between those two and your cost is called cash flow and it's very hard to if you get cash flow wrong, you can go under pretty quickly, or you know be flipped in the wrong direction. What I mean by that is you have a certain right. amount of certain amount of invoices that are out there that aren't being paid. That's your accounts receivable, right? And then you have your payments, either you have people or you have payroll or you have other costs, right? And those go out on a on, on a certain cadence. If those two aren't in line or in sync, yeah, you could have a you know. a a, a extremely high i was gonna say like a million dollar you know accounts receivable but if it doesn't show up for nine months and you've got eight hundred thousand dollars worth of cost up until that point well then your cash flow is going to be in rough shape and this is where having a solid accounting system behind you that's compliant with whatever businesses you're using right or 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 serving right is going to be extremely helpful because you're going to need to keep an eye on cash flow and this is one of the easiest parts now i left out the banking piece that's really where the cash sits but you know your your accounting software should be able to tell uh, to the you know to the minute you know, how much money you have in the actual bank. So yeah, very important.
0: Yeah, and speaking about money. So uh, for those on LinkedIn, like uh, Deidre, uh, Michelle Thomas, who just asked, I've been dropping the sheet in YouTube chat. So Deidre, I just jumped on LinkedIn and dropped it in the chat there. So hopefully you and the other LinkedIn community members are able to pick that up. Um, another, I guess. Sticking with the money theme, but another um, thing I, again, l- would love your thoughts on, I'm going to move myself over on this one, Ryan, and go off, on a, go off on a tangent for a hot minute. So allow me to do this. So one thing for me personally, and for those who are regular Simply Cyber community members, you, you know me and my personality. I'm very transparent. I'm very, what you see is what you get. And when I do transactions, if I make a deal with you, I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. I'm going to do it. To the best of my ability, it's going to be high quality. I have um, high integrity uh, in myself, okay? Professional integrity. So a lot of times I will invoice after services are rendered. And in my mind, you know, business world, it's 30 days, net 30 terms, meaning I invoice you today and you pay me within 30 days. And I do that to look professional or look like a real business. Well, here's the thing that works fine, but I have more than one client that has. That has outstanding invoices that I'm pretty sure I'll never get paid. Right. So, so when we're talking about, you know, profit, revenue, income, um, cash flow, expenses versus uh, money coming into the business, one thing that I would caution you about or put it in your contract that you're going to charge in advance. And then, you know, if something comes up, you have the integrity to refund those people is. Maybe consider net net uh, like like net negative fifteen terms. Like I put in your contract, we I will sell you this, and you will um, pay me before services are rendered. Now that's easier to say for a a services business or a um, you know like for a product SaaS product. I mean, obviously you sign up and you start paying immediately. But just I don't want anyone else to get burned where I have you know over ten grand in outstanding invoices that I'm certain. Um, I'm not getting replies back from those businesses any longer about hey where's my money, um, and I feel like I have no recourse for that. Honestly, Ryan, and I and I don't want anyone else to deal with that. So, Ryan, how do you deal with, um, I guess, uh, reluctant pay? I don't want to call them degenerates, but like, how do you how do you deal with people who don't pay their invoices?
1: Yeah, this is where contracts matter, right? <clears throat> There's a handful of different things in the contract that you're that you're creating with the person on the other side of the contract right and the things that really matter are what are the services that you're going to be selling or product or services right the second piece is what's the compensation for it right what are you charging and that, that that those are the sort of the basic uh fundamental pieces of the contract and the third piece is like okay well when does payment get made right so everything else legal liability all the pieces you know indemnification all that piece like We're not going to address those here, but the three core things from a services standpoint or from a product standpoint are those three. And that's where that's really what you're doing, you know, is just creating a contract that could be used in a legal course of action should the agreement go awry. And it's all going to fall back on those three. Well, what did you promise? Well, we promise this. Here's, Here's what's in the contract. Great. Well, when did you promise to compensate the person for it? Well, here's where it is. Okay, great. And when did you compensate? When did you expect to compensate the person for Right. Those are the, those are the terms. And so it could be at contract signing at net 30 days, net 50, net a hundred doesn't, you know, th- this is what matters. So hopefully those are lined up beforehand and very clear so that when somebody on either side of that contract, um, doesn't meet the needs of the contract, you have either one, you know, professional recourse to go and say, hey, look, these are the terms we subscribe to. You know, let's 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 solve this quickly. And if worst case, right, then you take legal action. Hopefully avoid legal action because we all know that costs money. Right. So there's this magical delta between like, well, how much is it going to cost me to get X? So um that's a tricky situation, Jerry. All it always is. And if you can iron those out up front and and you know uh Quickly, that can help avoid the problem later on, right? I mean, yeah, that's why we well, do it.
0: And and I would also uh, just to put a a quick uh, follow up to that, you should spell out in your contract what state's jurisdiction any legal uh, recourse would take place in, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like you know. I live in one state they live in another state and the contract gets executed but it says all you know all disagreements will be done in the state of California and like now now not only do you have costs for legal remedy but you have to like you're trying to get paid and you have to fly to California if you don't live in California you know what i mean so like you got to be you got to be careful with that too um so a- anyways i just don't want anyone else to get screwed i feel like i feel like that's a really deep Skinned knee. That's like that's like ooh. That might need stitches. Kind of skin knee. Um, yeah. So
1: yeah, but but it's important, right? So that's called I think that's called governing law, like the state of governing law, right? So and and and, and that matters. right? You'll see this with big organizations actually uh, push for their state, right? Because their lawyers or understand the state laws, or you know, or their country because they understand the country laws, um, and that's where it's all going to be arbitrated, right? And that that's what matters. But there's all these like other pieces that you want to make sure in a contract, right? Um, I mean, there's there's literally there's the warranties, there's um, the, who's going to do what from a public standpoint, there's the data you're going to use, um, there's limited liability, there's all, all liability, there's ownership. So, you know, the key pieces in your, in your contract with, you know, that you're offering the service or product with, you know, yes, the terms matter terms and conditions really matter but you know first you're gonna be focused on you know what's the service how much do i get paid and when but then underneath that it's what happens if it breaks and there's you know you could have 17 18 25 different terms and conditions maybe even up to 50 depending on what you're selling and though that's what matters because what you want to do is just protect you, yourself from a liability standpoint you know so that you can either collect if you need or you're not help held uh holding the bag if something goes wrong, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So if you're just joining us, we're wa- you're watching Cyber Starters uh, with Ly- Ryan Larvik, CEO over at Nuvik and I'm Gerald Ogier. Uh, We are talking about gotchas. Basically we both have started businesses and there's a lot of lessons learned that you can uh, glean from that. We have documented them all in this swipe sheet that I keep dropping links to in chat. So if you wanna steal this, it's just a straight up Google doc. The link will take you directly to um, the Google doc, and you can go ahead and download it, PDF it, copy it, whatever you want to do. Um, file it away. If you ever, if you have even like the slightest inkling of wanting to start a business, you'll be happy that you did this, uh, ahead of time. Now talking about money, I want to get into the questions from the audience. I told chat that we would, uh, answer their questions. So if you've got any questions, holla, holla at us in chat, but, um, Robert Wiley, since we're speaking about money, Robert Wiley wants to know what's the biggest tax deduction for the least amount of investment. Uh, Investment—I don't know if that means time investment or financial investment. Uh, but Ryan, um, you know, this—we're not lawyers, we're not CPAs. Mm-hmm. So as a qualifier for that, um, you know, I personally—I guess what I'll say is I'm aware of several tax deductions that businesses can take advantage of. I'm a little reluctant to kind of get into the particulars on my specific, uh, business. But what I can tell you is there's a lot of like really great ones right off the rip. So you got your cell phone, your internet, obviously right off the rip, you can lease your car, uh, to your business. So like the private citizen, Jerry Osher can lease the, my, my truck, I can lease my truck to my business as a lease vehicle. Um, you can lease your office space. And, um, those are the big ones that I know about. Uh, and then obviously, You know, uh, travel, lodging, um, and meetings. You can have meetings. uh, You know, you get fourteen meetings a year under tax code. um, You know, again, not a CPA lawyer that you can um, rent out a space for, and that's a tax deduction. Ryan, any thoughts around tax deductions?
1: Yeah, get get a CPA early. Have that conversation right off the bat.
0: Yeah. That you know what that's probably. (laughs) I just I just gave a bunch of examples, but Ryan's right. Like if you're going to do this correctly, legally, above board with all the appropriate documentation, you absolutely should get a, you know, like basically a certified professional who can tell you those things and keep you keep you in line. Also, if you are going to start getting into the business of tax deductions and these type of things and filing your corporate taxes, right? Those are different than your personal taxes. Um, Having that CPA not only is important to identify those tax deductions, but also how do you document them and how Mm -hmm. do you file them? So at that point, uh, I would say, Robert Wiley, you definitely want to be doing your taxes through a business um, accountant. Um, So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And Robert, I would also add your location matters, Mm -hmm. right? So in the states, we have state, local and federal taxes, right? All of them have, have different tax structures largely to create incentives or disincentives for certain businesses to do work, right? Um, and so you know, we know this with, with the personal side as well. So I would say where you start your business is extremely important from both a legal contract side, because I think Robert, you also brought up uh, the legal risk or actually um, might've been somebody else had brought up the legal risk. Like both legal oh. risk and tax account, we can get to that in a second. Yeah, but um, but that's a big one. Yeah, perfect. You're going right there. Awesome. But thanks for the segue, Tyler. <laughs> perfect, Tyler. But the big key here is, from the tax standpoint, just meet with a, 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 a you know a certified person, a, a tax advisor, and maybe look at one or two places to start your business because you know there can be. To really truly answer your question, what I'm of like, what's the biggest investment? Uh, for the biggest payoff from a deduction standpoint, time. Spend the time to find out where you actually should start the business, and it could save you a you know a significant amount of taxes depending on where you where you uh, start your business. Just simply by um, you know a different tax rate in a different location. So uh, that's the way I might look at it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just a, I mean, literally, literally, there's a reason why most major companies are. In Delaware, not they're they're not working out of Delaware. They're just incorporated mm-hmm. in Delaware because Delaware has very favorable laws around that. Uh, but mm-hmm. as far as like for me personally, Tyler, my first few deals versus today, um, you know, my first few deals were smaller deals. Again, this is service versus product. My first few deals were smaller deals. But what I will say is, um, I, I feel like I didn't take a lot of risk. Um, so small, small um, detail that I should pin on. So I started my business in 2016. My business was a consulting business exclusively. I educate my clients. I assess my clients, all these things. And so I had like errors and omission statements in my contract. Like I can't, I can't find all the things and there's no way I can secure you 100%. We all know that as cyber professionals. So if I come in and do an enterprise risk assessment and say, you look good. And then the next day you get ransomware, you're not going to sue me. So like, you know, I had very, very, um, squishy, get out of jail type clauses in my contracts and explained to my clients why I had those clauses there. Um, and then as far as risk from on financial side, um, I had a, business checking account and all the money came in went directly into the business checking account. Now, I had a very fortunate situation where I had a full-time job and then the business was on the side. So I had an income that could facilitate my family needs, my personal responsibilities, all those things. So like I would just leave the money in the bank account and then when I got, you know, enough in there and had the time, I went and got a CPA and said, "Okay, here's the current state. Like here's all this money. What do I do now?" So I wasn't like dipping in and like, Ooh, I'm going to buy myself the iPhone 15 or like, Oh, you know, daddy needs a new, uh, Ferrari or you know, like, uh, but by the way, we're not buying Ferraris on the money I was making early. So I'm, I'm, or, or now, frankly, so, uh, like daddy needs a new, um, Ford Fiesta, like with a five on the floor. Okay. So anyways, uh, one other question came in, Ryan, that I wanted to get with. Uh, Lawy Committee asked earlier, this is a two-parter, how can one start a cybersecurity foundation with ease if your aim is not to be a profit-based business? So I guess the question is, Ryan, and I I don't have any experience with this. I don't know if you do. Do you know if it's easier to start a nonprofit business and handle all that? Actually, I did start a nonprofit. (laughs) Never mind. I I have done that. So go ahead and-
1: Let me ask you the question, Jerry, you started a nonprofit, what what do you think? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. So, okay. So it was very easy and I'll explain why I lobby. So Simply CyberCon, uh, the conference that we ran last November and will continue to run uh, for years, um, is a nonprofit. So it did generate revenue, um, but there's a company called HackBank and it's actually a nonprofit that's already established that allows uh, organizations like uh, Simply CyberCon that doesn't want to go through all the paperwork and and Trouble and taxes and reporting and all that to hook to them and become part of them as a nonprofit. So they take a portion of any revenue that's collected, they set up the bank account, they give you a, uh, like a, a credit card number that you can use, and basically you outsource the entire nonprofit component. So you can go off and do your nonprofit mission without having to worry about any of the corporate infrastructure stuff. So that's a, pretty much a hack. Um, but, you know, Ryan, if you got any experience, would love it.
1: No, I think that's it. Setting up the business is largely the same. You just have to be a qualifier that it's not for profit, and you have to prove it. Uh, running the business uh, is is different. They're just they're just different uh, incentive structures for the business, quite frankly. Um, and so, and that has a whole host of implications. So, I think ease of uh, s- setting up the business it, it's largely the same. Keeping it in business is where the hard part <laughs> comes in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we've got. I just want to say we've got about six minutes, Ryan. I think you have a uh, a meeting directly after this. Is that accurate? I do. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna keep it tight. I want to get to everyone's questions though. So um, if we can, let's let's ask these a little bit more yeah. rapid fire. And thanks for everybody firing these questions out. Deidre Michael uh, Michelle Thomas, excuse me, over on LinkedIn wants to know what marketing channels were profitable during the beginning stage. Were you using all organic marketing, or did you pay advertising as well?
1: Yeah, great question. So there's like the simple answer that I would say is like, we all know how the sales goes in the first, right in the first uh, couple months, right? It's friends, family, and then people you are not connected with. So however you want to market quickly to the people that you're not connected with early on, kind of throws a grappling hook, so to speak out into that market and pulls it closer to you. So whatever channel that that is, that's, you know, wherever your purview is, I would say, look out a little bit and just create a couple of things and start talking to them through your network to then pull that forward and if you you know if you've got the capital and want to spend want to spend the expense then you know hire a marketing team.
0: Yeah, um okay, so 100% I would say you know paid versus organic marketing. Again, this is like the perfect episode Ryan because our businesses are so different from like size and structure and everything that it really is giving kind of uh diverse perspectives. So, you know, I never really did um marketing, I was more of a word of mouth. So like, you know, I do good work and then I hope they tell other people. I did find the consulting space to be a challenge. I still do consulting, but it's more when people reach out to me um, and I'm not like, I'm not really pushing it. Uh, as far as organic versus paid, what one thing I will say is that to Ryan's point, like in order to penetrate markets, to move faster, that's why you'd pay. Um, time is incredibly valuable. And you can penetrate other markets over time. But if you want to take a shortcut, that's what paid advertising is. And if you want to do it well, um, you really either need to like do your research or uh, pay someone. Now, Ryan said, get a marketing firm. That, that's a little um, rich for my blood. So, I mean, obviously, Ryan's, Ryan's over here uh, drinking out of uh, glass. Uh, I mean, uh, gold, uh, uh, <laughs> not cauldrons, gold goblets. Uh and I'm drinking out of a carpenter's mug, but but what I would say is um you can get marketing help. Chat GPT can go a long way. Um, there's a ton of information on uh YouTube on how to do you know organic marketing SEO stuff like that. So again, it really turns into what's your time worth because you can trade money for time by having you know paid and penetration and all that, but um, organic is you know you definitely want to be targeting the right people, which you might not be able to do with paid marketing. They might just spray it everywhere and then they're just taking your money. So you got to be careful. Uh, Deidre Michelle wants to know, what pricing did you guys start out charging SMB customers for MSSP services? And did you start with a front-end and back-end product? Final question of the day, Ryan.
1: Yeah, pricing is the hard part, right? This is it. This is what it boils down to. Uh, I'm, you know, I kind of fall back on my economic roots and be like, Pricing is the 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 point where supply and demand meet, right? And this is all the elasticity of pricing. I know that's an academic answer for the for a very great question, but the reality is, um, see what the market's pricing, what the market is doing, right? How much, how much is somebody willing to pay for it? And then look at your costs, understand your margins between those two, and then from a from a small medium business side for an MSSP, I would say. Determine what the long-term value of that contract is with the small because small businesses, small businesses become big businesses and consider that. And then what, what you focus in there is like, all right, what's the Delta between those two also known as a discount? Like how much less do I, can I, can I charge to get their business, right? It, Cause I have a better product, you know, vis-a-vis the other ones and, and, and willing to stick that is the sweet spot with the actual prices. I mean, that's going to be determined between, you know, you, your product and the, and the customer.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent. It really is tricky. I I can tell you from my experience, I have been in a meeting and I said, it's going to cost $10,000. And they're like, okay, let's do that. And I'm like, all right. So then the next meeting I'm in with a different client, similar product. I'm like, it's $15,000. And they're like, Okay, all right, let's go. And I'm like, the next meeting uh, I was in, I said, "Hey, it's going to be $30,000." They're like, "Are you crazy? No way." And I'm like, "All right." So like, you know, you're you're angling in, but you are going to have some of those tough conversations where you, you're they're laughing at your I literally had one client, this is a totally different engagement. One client go, "When I said the price, they're like, "Are you serious? Wow, I thought it was going to be so much more. This is great. Let's go." And I'm like, "Oh, Jesus." <laughs> so yeah. so you you know you gotta you gotta i don't know don't don't uh don't undervalue yourself right people are gonna want to negotiate so come in a little bit over the top
1: 100 percent and one takeaway i would leave everybody with is this you know this is the, the the you know the the bottom line idea about where pricing is how much is something worth it's what somebody will pay for this is the auction side right how much was that item that got auctioned worth well was it worth what the person actually paid for auction to to the top level it's not worth what that second person right uh offered so think about that from a pricing standpoint right there's a lot that goes into pricing and um you know it's it's not easy but there are some philosophies that can help
0: all right thank you sage advice from ryan larovic (laughs) guys it's two o'clock we're right at time. I want to thank all of you. This has been an amazing conversation. Grab that swipe sheet. I've dropped another link in chat. Ryan and I put this together to put this together together. Um, and it's basically a, a, a blueprint on things that you should be thinking about so you don't get hit with a gotcha if you decide to start up your own business. Um, thanks again to ACI Learning for their uh, continued sponsorship and um, support of the channel. Uh, for Ryan Larovic, I'm Jerry Ogier. Thanks so much, everybody. And until next time, stay secure. Thanks, everybody. From that amazing interview, be sure to check the entire back catalog of Cyberstarters interviews for more tips on launching and the effective business operations for cybersecurity entrepreneurs. You won't want to miss our next episode. I guarantee it. Join the Simply Cyber Discord server at simplycyber.io slash discord to chat with the larger community and be made aware when we go live. We want all your questions answered. Until next time, I'm Jerry for Cyberstarters. Stay secure.